This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another show, for another episode of our TGT podcast series, our weekly show in which we look back at the week's events involving the world of Arsenal and what a week that we get to look back on. Not just a North London derby, but a 3-0 win over Wimbledon. Unbelievable scenes that we are going to be breaking down all of the little fine details of, and I'm joined by three fantastic people to do that with. Before we get into that, though, please make sure you drop a like on today's video and subscribe to the channel if you are new around here with those notifications turned on, with those notifications turned on, obviously, because that's the only way you can find out when the shows are going live, unless, of course, you follow us over on Twitter at TV. Let's introduce to you, though, my guest for the evening. First of all, it's a man who's half delayed, half high. It's French. How you doing, mate? Are you well? Are you good? Well, an intro. Yeah, bruv. Yeah, I'm fucking amazing. Yeah. Buzzing, bumping around. Yeah, it's, it's been a good day. It's been a good 24 hours. And it's going to be a good at least five days, is it, till we play again? So, mate, I'm fucking loving it. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Loving it, mate. Uh, we're also joined by Magic Mike. Hey, mate. You're good. Are you well? Uh, it's been a great couple of days. Northern Virginia is red. Uh, I've been out <laughs> driving all over the, the highways and, and interstates and, uh, and and teaching people about the arsenal. So uh, it's always good when we when we beat them a lot and destroy them like we did. I've seen some amazing videos from from the states this weekend. I saw the Chicago Gooners post a video with John like front and center of that video, which is great. I love that. So I don't even know if he knows anyone in there. He just made sure he's like, "This is my seat. Get out my way. I'm sitting at the front." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he he takes over. Yeah, that, that that's a great supporters group, and he's he's just going to add to it because, I mean, there there's some really really diehard Gooners in that group that that show up every week, and uh, and they just got a very good incoming transfer in in uh, in Chicago, John. Yeah, absolutely. So Miami has lost one of its finest, that is for sure. I'm making up the panel this evening. It's the one, the only, Mr. Dan Potts. How you doing, mate? Are you well? How are we people? Arteta in, Kronky in, Edu in. Uh... Tom, how did you get this guy for the channel? I'm, I'm, it's amazing. Wait, you, you... I, he's the only one I pay. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. I wish, I'm Tom. Amazing. I wish. Yeah, I, I wish I could man, pleasure. pay people. It's, a pleasure. it's always, always a pleasure coming on here, man. And uh, great to be joined by Mike and French as well, man. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure to have you on, mate. Obviously, we've got a lot to talk about. Um, so, French, what did you make of the fact that Thomas Partey was chosen to start against AFC Wimbledon on Wednesday? No, I'm only kidding. Uh, how did you... <laughs> Very divisive. <laughs> Give me your raw reactions to the game, mate. Off you go. Oh, yeah. It was, it was something special, wasn't it? Um, 
I right. So last time I was on here, we just beaten Norwich, and it was a little bit like apprehension. I think is the word that I use for the next few games. I was like, are we are we seeing something? You know, is this just like a little um, false dawn type of thing? And, and I'm sure that discussion will come up. But today, for me, it, it was just clear. It was clear for all to see. This is a different team. Um, we've got what was it five new players by the end of the game i think all six new signings had, had played a role um it, it was just fast it was it was exciting it was electric um we absolutely destroyed them in i mean the space of time that i don't think anyone expected it just didn't feel real did it by the 30th minute it was sort of like what what is going on here and um and it was like for me personally i i have had a little bit of um like i said a bit of apprehension i felt maybe things are uh, looking a bit different and this was just like a vindication and it was just yeah this is how we play this is how we attack I remember you were asking and I was asking how do we attack how do we build up play this is how we do it um, can we be what well, we're not being clinical enough of our chances we, we're getting a few passes in but we're not finishing them we finished them you know um, Aubameyang he's, he's, he's not playing for the manager anymore he's he's done he's finished he's old he, he doesn't care doesn't look like that does it anymore when he's got people flying in when he's got chances being made for him he was he was everywhere as well. I think just everything came together, and you just saw the the potential for this new this new Arsenal that we're seeing. And um, and I think that was just really beautiful. Um, it just mm. absolutely off my tits. I was I was yelling like a maniac. I, I had um, I had my two. I've got like two sort of thirteen week old puppies at the moment. They, they were staying with me in my room, and um, they, but I, I might have given them sort of trauma. I think I probably broken all trust I had with them because the amount of yelling and screaming I was doing. They were terrified, mate. It was. They were looking at me like this guy is absolutely nuts. As long as you didn't cross any other lines with them, I mean, then then, then we're good. Why? Why? situation going on. I mean, like putting them on camera all the time. That's what oh, I'm okay, saying. cool. Yes, that's obviously what you mean. No, French. I'm so glad you brought up kind of the point about the whole seeing style, seeing system, seeing patterns, seeing what Arteta wants to do because that's what I've needed to get back on, or you know, attempt to get back on on the train. Is I've been asking to see a style and a system and to see something that's ultimately going to change the way that we play and change the way in which we're perceived to play by other teams as well. Mike, talk us through how your thoughts were after the game. After the game, just uh, absolutely overjoyed. I mean, I, I took in the game at, uh, at our local pub. Uh, well, it's not really that local to me, but it's the one where our supporters group gets together. And, uh, and in fact, yesterday we were doing our uh, like an in-person fundraiser for Gunners versus Cancer. So it was just it was a feel good day from the start. And you just knew that the game would either make or break, you know, how long people stayed afterwards, how happy people were. And, you know, I, I've mentioned before, our pub shares a corner of the pub is, is, is Tottenham Supporters Club. And they, they have their corner. They, they stay in the corner. You know, we make sure they don't get out. Uh, but, uh, I mean, just the greatest charity of all was watching their faces as that game went on. Um, just absolutely miserable. I mean, I had a few of them that came over. We were actually fairly nice to each other yesterday in the spirit of charity. Um, but they were like, you guys, you know, we're, we're, we're headed down and you guys are headed up. And it's as simple as that. The better team won today. So, and the better team did win. Uh, I mean, just watching those goals on Peter, there was a tweet and we don't get Peter Drury for, uh, for, we didn't get them him for the game yesterday. Um, but watching it on Twitter, I mean, the guy's calls just – it gave me goosebumps all over again watching those goals with with Drury calling them. And, and uh, you know, for at least one day, 
we'll see. But for at least one day, the magic was back, and it felt like those glory days all over again. So uh, wonderful, wonderful game. Great response. All of the narratives that I've been starting to creep into, I think uh, you know we could start we could start focusing on uh, saying, okay, maybe we ought to give it a little bit more time. ESR and Saka being promising players that just haven't really been producing the end product. What more could you ask than a goal and an assist from ESR, a goal and assist from Saka, um, you know, and, and as you mentioned, Obama Yang, maybe he did need the crowd around him. And that shouldn't be the case with a, with a top level professional footballer, but you know, he said, he, he kind of responds to the crowd. It's always been said about him and, and my God, did he yesterday? Cause that guy looked like a completely different player yesterday than he's been for the last six to 12 months. So uh, mm-hmm. where do we go from here is the question, but I love that, man. What a day. Well, the answer to that will, of course, come against Brighton next week, and, and we'll obviously have all the content to cover that. And for the moment, it's a game where it leaves you kind of just really wanting the days to fly by until the, the Brighton game. And the really sad thing is to say that we managed to get a victory in that game. We've then got a blooming international break uh, to, to sit through, which is just will come at the worst possible time. Dan, round off our raw reactions and our thoughts to how you were feeling after full time. Yeah, well, I don't think it really matters how you, what outlook you have on this club. Uh, yesterday, every single Arsenal fan in the world was buzzing, um, and rightly so. The first half hour of that game was a fairy tale, if I'm honest with you. And I don't think I've seen a first half like that since maybe Manchester United and Liverpool, um, probably 2016, was it back that far? So that could have been an Arsene Wenger Arsenal team in the first half in terms of an attacking style. It was that good, you know. It was really, really promising about where we're going as a football club um, with this team and with this manager. So that's why people were kind of getting on my back and other people's back that's criticising because they perhaps seen what we were doing progress-wise, which I just wasn't seeing. Um, I'm still not convinced personally that we've got this throughout the whole season and that we're going to now kick on and be this amazing attacking style because let's be honest, Spurs were absolutely dog-awful. Uh, they were just terrible. And um, I think that as much as funny as that is, I think we need to, you know, reserve a little bit of judgment about us doing that consistently in the next sort of 10, 15 games. So I think that although I can, would love to see it and would love to start seeing us scoring goals, I think we do have to be aware that they, the opponents were absolutely awful. However, when you look at the football that we were playing, it was exceptional in terms of us moving forward. I think Martin Erdegaard absolutely run the show. I loved Saka and Smith-Rowe's performance and their work rate. Aubameyang, who I think has looked sharp for most of the games, I think was superb. Sharp, working hard, tracking back, getting himself involved. And I think we've needed some drive in our attacking midfield for him to come into the game even more so. And Mm. I didn't like the team if I'm honest with you, when it came out. I didn't like the fact Pepe was dropped because I think he was really uh, threatening. I didn't like Granit Xhaka in there, but it worked. He mm. was absolutely fantastic, as was um, Smith-Rowe on the left, which I didn't think was going to work. But you have to sometimes hold your hands up and say, well played Mikel Arteta because everything that he did was spot on. Tactically, he got this spot on. I thought the subs, although maybe were a little bit late, if we were to be critical, I thought were good because it gave us athleticism that I felt we needed in positions that I thought we were tiring in. And I can't sit there and be one of these fans that says, we won, yeah, but I still don't like Arteta. Because Mm -hmm. I have to be happy. Because the way that we played yesterday, I want to see that consistently. 
because I'm an Arsenal fan that wants to win football matches. I'm not one of these guys that has an agenda against Mikel Arteta or wants the guy out tomorrow. I have questioned for a long, long time why he's still our manager. I definitely would have got rid of him after Villarreal, and I still stand by that. But that's not going to happen. When you see results mm. like yesterday, I don't care what happens. I want to see football like that. So we saw a performance there from players that are now Mikel Arteta's side. And I've heard excuses previously that he hasn't had his side yet. He's only had three transfer windows. He needs six. He needs another 10, 15 players before we can judge him. All this nonsense. I actually just want to see Arsenal playing nice football. And that's what I saw yesterday. Now, whether you think that's his team, Wenger's players, Emery's players, or a mix of both, I saw us playing good football. And that's what I want, have wanted and been crying out for for months and months and months. So if I can see that now moving forward, and I see Brighton, Palace and Villa, that's three games I think, I think Brighton are very, very good, by the way. But they're three mm -hmm. games that I think are set up nicely for us. So let's see what we do in the next three moving from now. Yesterday's performance was fantastic. So I, I have to be happy, Tom. I have to be a happy gooner like everyone else, mate. Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, you shouldn't have to be happy. <laughs> you should just be happy. I'm like, waiting just... for you to pick up on that. That's <laughs> Yeah, I just like for me the I I am with Dan like in the sense that after Villarreal I was of the minds that a change of coach was the right decision. Um, and to as we've talked about and we talk about a lot on the channel, it's fine to, to change your opinion and to change your mind on something, and and it can go back the other way. And if Arteta shows as Dan asks for their consistency, and we start seeing these types of performances against Brighton, against Palace, then against Villa then you can start to see a change in opinion of more people. And I'm sure that Dan isn't closed off, and he can tell me if he's wrong, if, if I'm wrong, to the idea of saying that Arteta can succeed with this team if he proves it. And, and that's what we've got to see going forwards. Let's let's get into real kind of the analysis of, of specific performances and specific players then. French, ironically, I saw a great tweet. Um, I, I don't know if it's still on my screen, but it was effectively the last three man of the matches have all been signings made by Arteta. Um, and Edu, of course, during the window, it was Tommy Asu in the North London derby. It was uh, Nuno Tavares against uh, Wimbledon, and it was Aaron Ramsdale against Burnley, I think. So those performances, and I think Martin Erdegaard has also been in, in kind of in and around those those man of the match performances too. We talked about how this window was wasn't the best. I mean, I think I described it as six out of ten, and I went to a seven out of ten at the highest point during the summer. But it's those signings that have made a genuine difference to this Arsenal team and that really came to the fore yesterday as well. Yeah, you have to give massive credit to, to the recruitment and also um, to the interview I think Edu came out with a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, it's pretty ballsy of him to come out and, and say, look, this strategy is primarily mine. Um, Arteta has come on board with it, but he, he really took responsibility for trying to get these young players in. And at the time, we just lost uh, three games on the bounce. I'm pretty sure after it was during the international break. And um, what he said sounded really kind of um, like almost like it was, we're making it up as we go along. He, he said, judge us when you see the players play. You know, he sat there and he was like, and it, it sounded so ballsy. He's, he had 100% confidence that once you see these players play, you might have a different idea of the transfer window and of where we're heading. And I didn't buy it myself i was like this this sounds like something you say to to just buy a bit of time just give me two weeks see how they go then slag me off if you want to um but fair play to him because this is exactly sort of you know 
what he called out. He's since um, after the international break, four games on the trot. And as you mentioned, every signing has played well, pretty much. Uh, it, it, certainly everyone who's played really well. Um, like you said, all the man of the matches have been signings. Uh, every time, you know, Ramsdale makes a save, I think he just wins over the fans a little bit more. Um, you know, even even who you could say maybe the most speculative of the signings, Nuno, has had bright moments throughout, you know, his little appearances. And, and it shows how useful it is to have someone who can come on for Tierney. Um, when is someone so integral to our attack and the way we play? And uh, and I think they just they do deserve massive credit. And it, and it's something that um, you know I'm not quick to say necessarily because I was very critical of Edu um, of the kind of structure around Arteta. I said it's not experienced enough. Um, they need to have you know more of a clear idea of what they're trying to do. It seems like they're making it up as they go along. But on this so far, based off what's happened since that interview's come out, he's been completely vindicated to say wait until you see these new signings and um and it's just phenomenal one of my favorites um, so before the uh before the game you guys probably saw the uh combined 11 from instagram oh, and every yeah. single player as a first player and they had emerson above you know uh tommy yasu and and all these things and and it was just so sweet to see that every player won their battles every single one of our arsenal players beat every single spurs player they were up against and um and it, it was just brilliant to see you know tommy yasu just shutting down um Hyunming Song. I heard him, they're calling him Tommy Cafu now. I like that. I might roll with that one. Um and you know, Ramsdale, that fingertip save at the end. And then the little conversation between him, him and Seaman called it a world. He was like, Yes, I don't know if you guys saw that. It was really nice to see. Um, it's not only that they play well, um, they they there's a there's a character about them, which is I mean, pretty much all of them are likable. Um, pretty much all of them seem to have a, a really strong presence. Um, they seem to already be kind of settling in and building relationships, like the kind of hugging between Tommy and, and Ramsdale after that, uh, after he cleared it away after that fingertip save. Um, and, and he mentioned it after, you know, reliable Tommy. And it's like, you guys have known each other two weeks. How are you this good friends? But but it's just that feel good vibe is there. You can see it and it's infectious, man. And, and I really love it. Um, Mm. And it's just brilliant to see. And, I, and I'm just loving that people are coming around to seeing, you know, everyone had doubts naturally. And we're just being converted by the proof in the pudding. We're seeing it in front of our eyes and we're saying, you know, these guys, they're all right. These new signings are not bad. That's what we need. We need evidence. Like that, that's that's what you want to see is you want to see the the evidence on the pitch and in games and performances are the only thing that are going to bring that forwards. And so when you see Tommy Asu with these consistent displays, I mean, he's not had a bad game since signing. Neither has Ramsdale since he came in. Ben White has had a couple of displays that I think have been questionable, but now you pair him alongside Gabriel and those two look like they can form a real genuine partnership with one another. Odegaard, I, I can't remember a player that runs as much as, as Martin Odegaard runs because his pressing is quite frankly insane. Like, And the way in which he in, is inspired, and I think that you can make a direct link between a Bamiyang step up in performance and the way that Odegaard, who's playing just behind him, is absolutely pressing. And he's dragging them forwards and he's shouting at Aubameyang all game to push. And it works because he's got that leadership quality. And, and you can see a future Arsenal captain. I don't like the idea of a number 10 maybe being the captain, just, you know, just through old-fashioned tradition. But you can see a, a budding leader in, in Martinelli. And you forget he's still only, what, 22 years of age as well. But I mentioned his name there, Mike Pyramid Aubameyang got that goal. Uh, the second goal of the game was heavily involved in the build-up, which is not something you tend to say about Aubameyang's goals, them being heavily involved in the build-up too. A great flick to Smith-Rowe. 
Um, but he overall has needed a goal. And I felt like I've said that a million times about Aubameyang saying he's needed a goal. And, and sometimes we've said that he's got his goal and then he's gone for a bit of a dip once again. Do you think this felt any different to those previous times where he said, oh, that's the goal that he desperately needed? Does this, does this feel different? Yeah, and to me, it's 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 because of the way that the goal happened. I mean that that flick. I mean, first of all, who started that play? Do we do we do we know who started that play by taking the ball uh, off? Of Mr. Granite Jacka. It, it was Mr. Granite Jacka. So I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna put my hands up and say, uh, you know, good game from Granite Jacka. What uh, I don't think anyone was happy to see his name in that lineup. We all knew it was coming, uh, and uh, you know, you never like to see a guy get hurt, but uh, but you know, he did start that play. Uh, Aubameyang, I would describe that Aubameyang kind of the flick to, to Smith Rowe as a Giroud-esque, um, just that that kind of one time outside of the boot. I, and I'm not calling Giroud like the greatest player that ever lived, but like he was a number nine that could play with his back to goal and, and make some really, really, really nice passes. Um, this one was way far from goal, but to do that and then immediately turn around and find yourself in the box with that open space um, you know, the Aubameyang of three months ago probably would have just been jogging up the pitch, expecting somebody else to take his place because he had come back for the ball. Not that, not today, uh, not yesterday. Uh, it just, that's just one of those goals where everyone just comes streaming forward and you feel that something special is about to happen. And I feel like that was really all three of our goals, especially the first two. Um, but as far as Aubameyang is concerned, I mean, just – he did everything he needed to do yesterday. Of course, he did the post-game interviews because we won. Um, but uh, before the game, I would have said, I, I, "This is a game for Lacazette." Have Aubameyang come off the bench if you know if we're in a in a close game or if we need a goal later on and you need to switch things up. I just thought Lacazette kind of, you know, he's got this thing about Spurs and and uh, and, and plays well with the really young players on our team. But Aubameyang did everything he needed to do to convince me that he deserves his spot at the top of the lineup, uh, you know, for for games to come. So uh, he is a confidence player. He's always been a confidence player, and that's dangerous when things get like they've been for Arsenal over the last year or two. But uh, he can also pull you out of it. So kudos to him. He's 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 definitely up there amongst the man of the match people. Uh, I, I I think he, it was a good shout for him to potentially get man of the match, but there were so many good performances yesterday. Uh, you know, I think he'd be a bit short of that, but yeah, a dazzling performance from Aubameyang yesterday. And he played like a captain. That's all you can yeah, ask for. Did. Come on, French. Yeah, I completely agree with Mike. The, the entire performance was really like, yeah, a captain's performance leading by example. One thing that I really liked from him um, after the game, when he was speaking with Smith Rowe, um, he mentioned and talking about that jury desk flick uh, was uh, the fact that he knew Smith Rowe would just keep running, um, and that to me is is kind of signifies where we're headed. There's this element of just these players needing to get to know each other in the final third. You know, that's the hardest place to make it happen, and that's where we've been falling short for the last few months. And um, and I just want to see that. Well, we're starting to see the same 11s or more similar 11s more and more, and they're starting to get to know each other a bit. And it's brilliant that Obama Young is just able to kind of help these young these young boys on. I know we all recognize that Lacazette has that ability to connect well with them, but clearly Obama is making sure he learns what these players do well with and what they need to succeed. And he's taken that on. And that, again, is leadership. Um, you know, making sure that you can provide a platform as a senior player for your young players to thrive. And he said, yeah. 
I knew Smithrow would run. All I had to do was put into space. Mm. He would run. And then all I needed to do was keep up with him. And that was beautiful. And that, to me, is, is a really good sign of his commitment to this project, this kind of youth thing that we're trying to do. Um, and, yeah, it was really nice to see that played out yesterday. Yeah, look, just the way in which there's a growing synergy, I suppose, is a good word between the players under Arteta is is a real pleasure to see and something that I know a lot of fans who, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not, I can't say I'm one of them, but uh, some of the fans that have really stuck by Arteta, fully committed, uh, probably felt very vindicated by a lot of the performances that they saw yesterday. Dan, um, I want to mention, obviously, Granite Xhaka in a little bit more detail because he does deserve credit. And as I agreed with you, I wasn't happy when I saw the lineup come out and seeing him in the lineup. In fact, I was so disappointed by it. I wrote an entire piece, which I've regretted pretty much within about 20 minutes of, of kickoff. And then today released an apology article, which I will gladly do again and again, if it's to the benefit of the club, no problem with that whatsoever. Um, but it's, it's a real kind of double-edged sword because we got a great display from him. And then he looks like he's got a fairly serious injury. Um, we're still waiting on confirmation about this. On the Arsenal way earlier on, we caught up with Chris Wheatley and he hadn't heard anything about uh, about it either. So we're still waiting on some news about the, the length of it. The fact he walked off the pitch and wasn't stretchered and it wasn't bandaged and it wasn't kind of in a whole guard and, and stuff is, is a positive sign. And hopefully that means it's not a massively serious injury. But Dan, talk me through the juxtaposition of, of Granite Xhaka yesterday. Well, before I do that, I just want to say to Mike, if, if Aubameyang doesn't score a scorpion kick against Palace, then he's no Olivier Giroud. Right? <laughs> so, Look, you know how I feel about Olivier Giroud. He's got a long way to go to be Olivier Giroud, but uh, you know, Palace <laughs> no, is, the, is, the, is the, he's definitely, you've got to do, it's got to be a scorpion Rabona overhead kick. <laughs> how do you even do that? And it has to kiss off the, the all three of the, of the posts, not just the, the crossbar. So. Excellent. I did like that. Olivia Giroud-esque. I've never heard that one. I've heard Thierry Henry-esque from Aubameyang, but not heard that one. Uh, Granite Xhaka, where do we start? So I was deflated as you was, Tom, and um, I don't blame you for losing your head and writing an article about it because I saw enough on Twitter going mental, massive meltdowns in relation to why he was starting and does he deserve to be in this team? And I think just sticking to that, the answer is still no. Uh, he didn't deserve to come back in. I think Lokonga being dropped is is... Is really harsh on the lad. Um, I think Maitland-Niles and Lukonga have both shown that there are ways in which this midfield can be given more athleticism with those two in the side. And I think that with Granite Xhaka, you know what you're getting. You're getting sideways and backwards. You're getting static midfield. You're not having the partner, in my opinion, that Thomas Party always needs. But certainly for some of the games, there is a place for him within the squad. And I've always said that as much as I can't stand Granite Xhaka in his first eleven. I'd be more than happy to keep him in the squad. If he doesn't want to be in this squad, then let him go. And I still stand by I would have sold him to Roma because I do think he's probably about £15 million as a centre midfielder. I don't think he was ever £35 million. I think we all know that we paid way over the odds for him. So I would have let him go to Roma if he's flirting with Jose. But that's another story. He's here. Uh, he got given his chance against uh, in the first few games. Manchester City, he got sent off. And I don't think that you should be rewarding ill-discipline. And I don't think that you should be giving up the opportunity for somebody like Lukonga to come in and grow into this team next to Thomas Party. Now, when he started to play Party and they had Erdegaard and Smithrow as the two tens, attacking eights, whatever you want to call it, I thought, wow, that, that to me says there's no place for Granite Xhaka. But I knew he was coming straight back into this side. And I said it for weeks and weeks. I said, as soon as Tottenham hits, he will be back in this side. So I wasn't 
surprised. I was just a little deflated. But I have to give it to him. It wasn't just him, Tom. It was everybody yesterday. They were outstanding. I don't think anybody played less than a 7 or 8 out of 10 yesterday. That's how good they all were. And Granite Tracker's within that, you know. Obviously, there's question marks of was it a foul on Hoiberg? Was it not? I don't really care <laughs> because it created a goal. And Granite Tracker deserves the credit that he was getting yesterday. I also have to mention the player next to him because as great as Granite Chaka was yesterday, I honestly believe we have someone special in Thomas Party. I think that when we have this guy on the pitch, he is head and shoulders above anybody else. Yesterday and in many of the other games in Burnley, I see him playing and I think, you're, I can't believe you're here. Like you're too good to play for us. Like yeah. how the hell did we get this guy? For 45 million. <laughs> no, one play, not one team said, I fancy a bit of that for 45 million. You know, we're talking about how he would improve most Premier League sides, Thank including you, Manchester City, Chelsea, even Liverpool. They would all look at him and go, fair play. Now, I look at what sort of midfielder he is, and I think that we're asking him to be more than he is, if that makes sense. Because I'm not so sure that he's an anchor in midfield, but i tell you what, he can play there for us. I'm not so sure that all the times he's a great box-to-box -box midfielder, but he is for Arsenal. And I'm not so sure that sometimes he can play in front of the two others, whether it be Chaka and Ceballos, so be it last season. But he does that for Arsenal. So that's how good this guy is. He can actually be everything that you want him to be in midfield. I would like to see him in Lokonga, because I think that that is, that is potentially our best two if we're going to play a two. But you know what? It doesn't matter who plays next to this guy. He will make them. He will make them look absolutely fine. Because I think we've got probably one of the best signings that we've had in a long, long time. There, I, I rate this guy so highly. He looks unbelievably good on the ball. So intelligent, presence, power. Uh, he he enables passing moves that people just don't see. He can go both ways, sideways. He can go backwards if he wants to do a granite chaka. But most of the time, he's going forward. And actually what I love about him is he's the only one I see on the pitch that people are coming to because of his brilliance, not because of his leadership or his mentality. They trust him on the ball. They'll give him the ball when he's got four players around him because they know he's that good. And, you know, I'm not, I don't like to compare anybody to unbeaten sides like the Vieiras and the, the, the Burkamps and, and the Henri's of this world because I don't think we'll ever replace those. But I think if we were to put pick one player that was good enough to get into the invincible season, it would be Thomas Party because he's right up there with Gilberto Silvers of this world. Um, for me, he he is he is that good. So I think he deserves a mention as much as Granite Chaka for me yesterday. I think that's a fair point, and I, I, every time we talk about Thomas Party, obviously we all like our wins. Um, but the amount that I what's the word campaigned for Arsenal to go after Thomas Partey and just said, look, this guy is transformative was the word I just kept using. And he just is head and shoulders above every other central midfielder uh, that we have. And that typically we come up against. And the only one that really, in my opinion, holds a candle to him is, is N'Golo Kante in central midfield. And I, I can't, people talk rave about Jorginho. I think he's a very, very different midfielder of a different, very different job for Chelsea but there just aren't that many. And Arsenal have needed to be looking at players that get into other top six Premier League sides. Partey is that. Tommy Asu could prove to be mm. one of those players as well with his performances. And you never know after all the stick that he got, Aaron Blooming Ramsdale could prove to be a top six goalkeeper. He is 
he for me was has been such a standout in these games. And what you need, and when we use that word transformative about Partey, the way in which Ramsdale brings such a calmness to the defence, such a trust that those defenders have in him, that they know they can give him the ball and that he's going to use it smartly. There was only one instance during the game yesterday there was a little bit of a worry, and ironically, it led to the second goal where he played it a little bit short to Hoiberg, but Xhaka was there to put a foot in and won it back, and we went up the other end and scored. And I think that probably overshadowed the poor pass from Ramsdale in that moment, ironically. But that was the only time where I was ever actually concerned. Um, the, the goal from Son, it was obviously very close range. He got a hand to it, couldn't quite keep it strong enough, and he looked very annoyed at himself, I think, afterwards for that. But I don't put too much blame on him for that for that situation maybe if we were if that had been a winning goal for Spurs we would have looked at it differently there's always the bias associated but the save from Lucas Moore at the end was just just sublime like I can't remember a save I've enjoyed any more than that and I love the way that Tommy Asu just mopped up the little rebound that came out afterwards as well uh there's just so much to enjoy about the signings that are on the pitch but interestingly French there are some tough decisions that Mikel Arteta had to make um Dan talked about earlier that he was disappointed that Nicolas Pepe wasn't picked uh, I know for a lot of people they were hoping to see Nicolas Pepe start this game I spoke previously about how I felt he needed to pick between Saka and Pepe he had to choose who was going to be his starting right winger and then play either a Smith-Rowe or a Martinelli on the left because they're naturally better than Saka is on the left-hand side because Saka and Pepe, for me, are both naturally right-wingers. So he had to pick between the two. He did pick between the two, and he couldn't have got it more spot-on if he tried, could he? Yeah, and to be honest, I think that's the way it's going to stay. Um, I don't know how else you can just cement your place as a starting right-winger aside from... uh, a goal and an assist and um, just an all-round kind of fantastic performance he was having there compared to how he was playing from the left. Um, the boy is amazing, right? And he had a bad month in August. And a lot of people, funnily enough, um, I think most of us probably kept faith in him. But but some people, you know, some of us said, yeah, he's a kid. He's having a bad month. I saw some people genuinely doubting his talent and saying, is he as good as we thought he was? And look at the Havertzes and all these other teenagers or young kids, what they're doing. The boy is just different. He's just different class, man. And and you can see he's starting to grow into himself now. He's he's stronger. He's musclier. When I saw him play for England during the Euros, I didn't recognise him half the time because he looks bigger. He looked bigger. He just looked a, little, a bit chunkier. And I was like, I think it's because Sterling's so small as well. But he just, just looks a bit more like uh, not even quite a man yet, but he's getting there, isn't he? And it shows in the way that he plays now as well. He shoots. He creates, he drives, he knows he's good. He knows he's got the ability to, to scare people. He knows when he's got the ball, every defender's terrified. They don't really want to get too near him. They give him a lot of space. And even when they try and assist him, they end up, sorry, tackling him. <laughs> they end up assisting him. So um, it was it was really amazing to see that kind of performance. His celebration, so calm. Like the contrast for me was really cool. Um, ESR's celebration was like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. This is amazing. I love this. I love today. Saka was like, yeah, that's what I do, mate. I score goals. I'm good at football. Like, and he just, you know, <laughs> hello, here I am. Remember me. I play from the right. And, and it was just really, really <laughs> lovely to see. And it's like, I don't, I don't think I could go back. And and for me, I well, I say I don't think I come back. Pepe will start right wing in some games, but I think Saka is the right winger. Um, I really love Pepe. I've you know, go back through the shows. I've always been a big supporter of his. I've always tried to get people to chill out on him a little bit, stop attacking him from the price tag, observe the player. But in terms of how we play. With the kind of build up on the left, the way we send Tierney, you know, bombing forward and we tuck in now with, with Tommy, 
Um, we have that overlap. And on the right, we need a player who can secure the ball to a degree by themselves, you know, who can be technically secure and look after it, who doesn't need an overlapping right back um, to, to be able to kind of create danger. And it, with Pepe, it just feels like sometimes when it gets out there and he's isolated, it's a bit too much for him to do. With Saka, it's never too much for him. He'll, you know, if he's on that right, he'll find a way mm -hmm. to either keep the ball in possession, create a chance, get a shot off. And he's just, he, yeah, that's that's his position, man. We, I don't feel yeah, we can take this, it off. This Pepe thing is not a bad problem to have. I mean, I, I love seeing Pepe out there as well. But look, we've got basically three players for two positions, Pepe, Saka, and ESR. I mean, you could you could throw Martinelli in there as well. Uh, but he doesn't seem anywhere close to being in the rotation, especially with only one game on most weeks. Um, but uh, when Pepe is missing out on playing time because of William, that's one thing. When Pepe is missing out playing time because of Saka or he's not able to play on the left because Smith Rowe is going to play alongside Odegaard, I've got no problem with it. It's, it you know, we want yeah. – we. I'm not going to say world-class, but we want – seven out of 10, eight out of 10 players, or at least players with that capability to be on our bench, not for fours who are on the pitch, but for other eight and nines that are out there on the pitch. So, um, you know, this kind of usage from, from Arteta of, of Nicola Pepe, I think is going to go over much better than it was last year when the replacements were just simply to anyone that was paying attention, not appropriate when his purple patches, Pepe, uh, Pepe's purple patches, uh, say that 10 times fast, were, were being rewarded with a spot on the bench for the next month. That wasn't okay, but, uh, you know, you can't, you can't fault the, the starting 11 yesterday, especially the players that, you know, that Pepe sat for. And, um, you know, I, I think he'll certainly get his opportunity. Smith Rowe, we know, isn't going to play 90 minutes a game every single game. And so I think we'll, we will hopefully see Pepe and Saka on opposite wings at certain times. But uh, again, it's a good problem to have. It's a good problem to have. It, I don't think this means Arteta doesn't rate Pepe. It means this is how he wants to set up for this particular game. Absolutely. We are now going to jump into the chat box and go through as many of your questions as we feasibly can. So uh, over the next 15 minutes or so, please do chuck them in and we'll try and get uh, to as many, as I say, as we can as possible. Uh, Dan, we start for a question from Ian Morgan, who says, guys, did you see the younger average age of the crowd? Perhaps old gits have suspended their tickets this year. Extra energy in the crowd and two new songs. First game, 1960, so I can be rude to the oldies. <laughs> we know a few of those that have suspended their tickets, don't we, Danny? <laughs> Oh, you're muted. Are you muted? I didn't hear that at all. Sorry, man, there I am go. muted. My apologies. Uh, yeah, no, um, I, I was agreeing with Mike. We do know quite a few of them that, uh, that have done that. Um, listen, I, I, listen, I don't know the average age of, of the Emirates Stadium. I don't know the average uh, age of the capacity of the ground yesterday. But what I will say is we cannot say that the crowd have not been behind this team and this manager because I've been home and away every game this season and it has been apart from Burnley sorry yeah it has been outstanding I don't blame you the, 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 cr <laughs> not the, the crowd has, no not do you know what though at least it wasn't freezing cold for the traveling fans this time it's normally freezing mm. when I go to Burnley um so do you know what I, I can't say that the crowds um have been poor at any single game do you know what I mean it was absolutely brilliant uh to to see and yesterday was absolutely electric and i mean why wouldn't it be with a result like that what i will say though is that if there is if this is, statement is true what we're seeing here then 
there is that kind of generational thing, isn't there, that some of the younger fans perhaps haven't seen the success of the early 90s, so be it. So they've kind of accepted that we're a club that don't compete for the first or second places. So they've kind of more accepting of that. And, you know, when they're seeing the wins, they're getting behind the manager and the process and the team more. So I kind of understand Ian's point there because I think that there may be some truth to it. I just don't think it's the majority of, of these old generation that are throwing their season tickets in. But certainly I know for a fact that some of them have uh, become less patient with the uh, Stan Kroenke process. So uh, great question, by the way, Ian. Really, really good I mean, R- Russ is running out of time, so yeah, I can understand. <laughs> I, I can understand. I wasn't going to say names. <laughs> I wasn't, Mike's come straight oh, in there. I didn't know Russ had chucked in his ticket. That's a shame. Oh, dear. I was hoping to see him at the Aston Villa He, game, he didn't right? chuck in his ticket for the pub, though. He was, is that, is that the oh, pub? he still goes to the pub. Oh, good. That's good. That's At least at least we've got that. Uh, Balaji says, French, on the back of the wonderful performance, where do you think Arsenal can end up this season? Is top five possible? Title charges on. I don't know what he means, top five. Um, <laughs> nah, you know, I think top six is a requirement. Um, I think we want to, I think this team is definitely good enough to finish top six. So within top six is top five. I don't think that's out of the question at all. It really depends on how um, we see us go over the next few games. I think with what we've seen over the last four, three league games, um, there's enough there to believe that we can go on a few runs of good form. We can put a few wins together. I mean, last season we were, was it six points off top four with Thomas Partey out for 14 games? Keep Partey fit. Get Aubameyang scoring like 20, well, 15 even league goals, 15, 20 league goals. We're going to be in a much better position than we were last season points-wise. And I think top five is possible, definitely, yeah. This worrying. We'll be top five, thought, we'll be top five by the time I leave London on the 4th of November. That's, I'm, I'm coming out and saying that. That's I like that. Optimism. Because we because we do not lose at the Emirates when I'm there, so uh, so oh, we will be wood. Touch the wood or ring your ring, the entire, the ring entire your bell or, or when I yeah, ring the ring bell. the bell or touch the wood or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fraser uh, Ogilvy uh, says uh, the eleven yesterday is probably the strongest that we have at the current moment. What positions then? Do you look to support looking in January? Now, Mike, in January, the African Cup of Nations going on, Arsenal will lose Mohamed Elneny, Pierre-Eric Aubameyang, Thomas Partey, Nicolas Pepe. It's a hell of a lot that, that we're Frenchy, losing. Do you have anyone you'd like to add to that? Um, <laughs> am I forgetting someone? No, French came on our show last week and, and no was talking about how when Lakanga goes to the African Cup. Oh, of for goodness sake, French. And I just go and agree with him because I wasn't thinking about it myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I, I'm never, I'm not, Belgium, the last I checked, is not an African nation. <laughs> um, up three in the morning. I'm, how am I supposed to have my head on right? It's like, <laughs> why were you doing a show with Mike at three? That's on you. It That's wasn't three in the morning. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> That's just an excuse. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not huge on making long term decisions on players and, and personnel because of one to one and a half month long tournaments and recovery periods. Um, you know, when we were talking about, should we, or should we not go for Onana? I was like, whatever the, whatever the answer is, it should not be a no because he's suspended and going to the African cup of nations. If he's our goal goalkeeper of the future, then sign him before someone else does. Uh, that said, we are going to be, you know, a little light. And especially if, you know, this is more than just like an MCL, if this is a long-term injury for, for Xhaka, 
Um, I still don't see why we can't make a move for Basuma or someone of that quality in that position. I mean, you have to stop worrying about, well, will that put someone in front of Lakanga and, and stunt his development? Will that, you know, will that keep Miguel Aziz out of the lineup next season? I mean, Patino, you, we just, we need to stop thinking about that. And, you know, I think just reinforce our, our, our lineup. The only place I think that, you know, maybe a, a reinforcement for uh, at striker, a young player like, like Isaac, but that doesn't seem like a, a January move. That seems more of a summer move and, and probably an unlikely move. So, um, you know, January is typically going to be a pretty light transfer window. And for once, if we can keep people healthy and kind of keep in this vein of form that we've been on in the last few weeks, uh, I think it might just be a little tweak here, a little tweak there, a little reaction to, to, uh, to you know, potential injury thinness, but we don't have to overhaul the team in the middle of this year like we might have had to in years past. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think that when you look at what we have available to us and you think about, say, Miguel Aziz, who is on loan at Portsmouth as a recall clause, if, say, we needed to activate that, you've got a young Charlie Patino in the squad, could be given some opportunities in midfield. You've got Maitland-Niles still here. We've got Lakonga still here. Xhaka, when we learn more about the extent of his injury, we can make more of an assessment about maybe what we need to do in January. Um, that's not me saying that we, you know, we have the best players. And like Arsene Wenger used to say, if we... You know, if there's no one that improves us at these positions, then we don't need to buy anybody. I'm, mm. I'm not claiming that we have the best team we could possibly have. I just don't know that we need to go out and spend a tremendous amount of money bringing in players that are going to be at or, you know, we're not going to spend 90 million pounds to bring in a world-class player to unseat, mm. uh, you know, Thomas Partey or, or, or Ben White or anything like that. So we might as well just reinforce the areas that we need to reinforce with, with smart buys. And Basuma seems the obvious one. Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, I've got a piece coming out tomorrow that you've stolen some thunder from. Um, Dan, uh, Amandeep says, with 4 uh, 2 three, one working like a charm, do you still see Arteta going to the 4 3 3 lineup with, uh, that we played against Burnley against Brighton? I think it's worth adding on to that with Xhaka's injury. Um, does that maybe encourage Arteta to return to that 4 3 3? Yeah, potentially. Um, I, I wouldn't say it was or was not working as such. I didn't really th- see that four two three one um, was any better or worse than four three three. I just think whatever formation we were playing, it was always a scraping across the line one nil. So I think when you look at the Brighton situation, it's going to be difficult. You know, they can go top tonight if they win. So it's scary how good they are. And um, I, I love their manager, by the way. I think he's absolutely outstanding. So when I look at that game. I think four two three one could be an option, but it would not surprise me if Chak is out long term. Um, if we don't go back to the reverting Smith Rowe and Erdegaard into that situation, and then perhaps if it's not working, then of course you can bring in Lakonga and go to a four two three one. But that that's for for him to decide. I, I think with Brighton, obviously Basuma, as Mike mentions, I'd love to get him. Uh, I, I would have loved him. I think we were a Basuma signing away from it being a very good transfer window. If I'm honest with you, so that I was gutted that we didn't get him. Um, but he's going to be very very difficult to keep quiet um, against Brighton because he's he's always going to be at our heels. So maybe he will look to go four two three one so that we can uh, you know not leave Basuma in there to do what he does best. Mm, yeah, it's going to be interesting what formation does choose. I think that 
it makes sense to kind of go to that 4-3-3. I think that's his long-term plan. I think that's what he wants to do in the long term. So the more that you can play an established formation that you're ready for. And I don't think switching away from what we work so well against Spurs means that we'll be, you know, restricted in any kind of formation going forwards if we were to switch that 4-3-3. Uh, let's scroll up to the chat. We're going to go through one more round of questions each before we wrap up. Uh, French says, uh, French says, French, question for French from Tulip, who says, as Sambi will partner party now, possibly, what particular attributes do you think we will bring on Xhaka and how much do you think Partey's game will get affected by that possible change in partnership? Well, with Sambi next to him, um, I don't necessarily anticipate a huge change. It's interesting, the 4-3-3 question, um, for me, when I look at the difference between the formations, really the only change is Pepe for Xhaka, isn't it? Um, that's that's really the switch that gets made, and then Odegaard kind of drops in a little bit deeper. Well, he did against um, he did against uh, Burnley, um, mm. and Party gets given a, a little bit more to do as a, as a solo player. So I guess that's what he's kind of alluding to. Um, certainly, if if Odegaard gets put as um, you know the guy a little bit in front of Partey, and and he's sort of by himself um, in terms of as, as a CM then it's a lot of responsibility for him. Um, I can see that working against the teams that don't really want to play much football, uh, like a Burnley, for example. Against a Brighton, I, I do think that um, what we saw in that Burnley game when Sambi came on and partnered Partey was just availability. Uh, every, there was always a, a midfielder there to receive the pass inside from either, either wing. And um, all of a sudden, yeah, every, everyone just had an option to pass to with both Sambi and Partey there. Uh, I would not be surprised if that was what we saw for Brighton. And I think that just gives Party a little bit less responsibility in terms of being the only guy there. He can do it, but I guess we don't kind of want to overstretch him. And also, um, Sambi's obviously a very good player. So having them both on the pitch gives us um, a lot, not just off the ball and in terms of availability, but also then going forward. So um, I, I'm i not really worried about it. I'm not worried about the, the formation or the partnership. Um, I am worried about Jacques potentially being injured for a little while, but his replacement now is, is quite clear. I mean, we've got two options. Either Sambi comes in or Odegaard drops deeper. And I think that's really nice. Um, either of them I feel good with. Both of them look good to me. When we give the ball to Sambi or to Odegaard, I feel comfortable that they're going to be able to beat the press, keep it, or do something interesting with it. So um, I'm, none of it worries me. All of it just looks like exciting options. Uh, I think, and I think I'd, I want to see that kind of Sambi and party partnership grow. So I would like to see them go together and, and just kind of develop together. And hopefully we can have a bit of a Partey understudy there in Sambi. Uh, and he can sort of just teach him how to be like Partey. That would be great, wouldn't it? So, <laughs> um, <laughs> Double Partey. Yeah. yeah. Never, you can never have too many parties, that's for sure. Uh, Tom <laughs> Sabol, Mike says, why are some people giving the team grief for their dressing room photo? We ask the players to take the North London derby as seriously as we do, but get on them for celebrating. Can't have it both ways. Oh, you're muted, mate. <laughs> just realized that sorry i'm glad you gave me this one because tom uh is a great gooner from Ta from tampa florida uh who was very stevenson. helpful in our, in our i'm sorry is it stevenson is that his surname or have i got it completely wrong i'm guessing no, tom tom's Sable. that you know oh no, oh Sable. sorry tom saber of course the person who actually asked the question <laughs> yes I, I get with the program tom um yeah, the, uh, the 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 his branch in uh, in Tampa helped us with the day of giving yesterday. They raised some money for Gunners versus Cancer it was great, and nice. and he actually ended up winning the grand prize that we drew yesterday, which is a uh, a signed kit from from either Lee Dixon, Alan Smith, or uh, 
or Kevin Campbell. So, uh, so congrats to Tom and coming in with a great question. And the answer to the question is because some people just need to give the team grief as part of their job description. Um, I mean, look, it, you can't have it both ways. Um, yeah, the team, it's the people that, that, that are saying we haven't accomplished anything yet. And the team is acting like, I mean, the, the, the concept is why is the team acting like they just won the treble? when they've just beat a pretty darn poor Spurs team. Uh, and I look at it the opposite way. The more of these pictures, the more of the events that cause these pictures that happen, the better the club's bond is with each other. I mean, you, clearly, we don't have a fractured locker room. I mean, did, would you have seen a picture like that last December, uh, <laughs> right before the Boxing Day game, right before the, the, the click clear out in January? I mean, I don't know that they even spent time together, much less, you know, the social distancing that we didn't see in that picture. Uh, I mean, the club is clearly in a more harmonious place right now. So I love seeing the pictures uh, of that. I don't get bothered that they're, you know, that they're celebrating success when on the grand scale, we don't have success. But, you know, some people got to be pointing out the negative constantly just to satisfy their own fetish of, of being negative. And there's, Tons of people like that on social media. Um, so it doesn't bother me one bit. Yeah, it bothered me more seeing Alexis with 97 pictures of Humber constantly, uh, good, bad, and different. That that bothered me, but uh, but this didn't bother me. Every time I saw a, pi- a tweet of someone moaning about that picture, it just made me think of that guy from Come Dine With Me when it's like, dear, dear, dear me, what a sad little life you lead. <laughs> just, that's all it made me think of. Just just people moaning about it. Really, really funny. Um, last question from Leon, uh, who says, Dan, happy with the result, but we need to keep our feet on the ground and not uh, get too carried away and too giddy. Where do you see the team finishing after this result? Is it higher than before the Spurs game? Oh, you're on mute. We, we've had a whole... Uh, yeah, I, it was my fault. Go on. Oh, I was going to say, why have, uh, why have you given me this question, mate? It's just popped up on my screen. It just popped up on the screen. No, That's I'm, what I'm, it was. I, I am, of course. He's so deft at, um, at picking and choosing who answers what question. And, uh... Uh, I believe... That he's got a great point, Leon. We do need to keep our feet on the ground. Of course, everyone's buzzing. Uh, and so we should be. Everyone is absolutely buzzing that we've beaten uh, our Northland Derby rivals. But what I will say is this. Going into this game, I was of the opinion that we still had a lot of work to do. Because of that result, we've shown that we can do it. And the manager can do it and the team can do it. And that's what I think we needed to see. I didn't want to see us scraping past Norwich 1-0 and Burnley 1-0. I wanted to see us blast the team away. And it just so happens it have to be Spurs. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. In terms of where we can finish, I still believe that this manager is not 100% safe. Because of the way that we started the season, because of last season's kind of hangover. So if we keep this manager and he's kind of going to progress then I do believe the squad is good enough to compete for the European places. I do. But if we're going to see some of these inconsistencies and some of these kind of poor performances that are just a bit boring and unattractive, then it could be a kind of you know top 10 finish and we go similar to what we did last season. The way I see it, in the way that this team has, in my opinion, improved, I think that we should be getting, or competing at least, with the likes of 
Leicester and Tottenham for the top six, if it's going to be Leicester and Tottenham. I think personally, West Ham and Everton will probably be more likely to be up there than Spurs this season. I think Rafa Benitez is a manager I would have 100% had. And David Moyes has got West Ham firing still into this season, even with uh, Europe, which I think they may, may tail off because of that. But at the moment, that's certainly where I think we should be targeting. I don't think the top four is realistic for us. I think Liverpool, I think, are going to win the league. Everyone laughed when I said that, but I still think I still stand by that. Um, oh, I agree with Chelsea, you, mate. I, I, think, I agree with Yeah, you. everyone's forgotten about Liverpool. All of a sudden, they've got their, their team back and they're winning games. And everyone has got short, very short memories, I think. So I'm going for Liverpool and sticking with it. Chelsea, I think, will probably come second. Manchester City uh, third. And I think Manchester United have got the players with or without Oli to come fourth. So I think that's definitely cemented. I honestly believe there could be a shock and it could be a West Ham or, or, or Everton that come fifth. And then I think it's going to be Leicester and Arsenal fighting for that, potentially sixth or seventh with Spurs and the rest of them, like the Villas and all that coming underneath it. That's my prediction. That, of course, could change. We're only a few games in. But that's where I think we should be looking at realistically. I will say this just to finish on this, Tom, because I think it's important and I haven't done this very often for a while, but the only positive I can give Mikel Arteta and Edu is the, what they're doing off the pitch. And I've said this for a while now. I haven't seen enough on the pitch to convince me, but I've certainly seen enough off the pitch to say that we have got a much better team than we had under Unai Emery and Arsene Wenger before he left now. I honestly believe that. I would have these players in over the Mustafis and the Socrates and, do you know what I mean, the, the, the El Ninnies mm. and Shackers we were seeing as our first teamers, not as our fourth and fifth choice centre midfielders. The Awobis and Welbecks who gave 110% but probably weren't as good as some of the attacking players we've got now. So we need to actually look at what this team should be able to do. And I think that a Antonio Conte or a Brendan Rodgers even, or a Rafa Benitez, can get this team into the top six quite easily this season. So that's where I want to be targeting. And I still believe, even with Arteta, that that's where we should be uh, aiming for. Finishing top six, all it takes, all you got to do to finish top six is beat the teams that you're, suppo- that, that you're supposed to beat. And, and you don't, I mean, you don't even need to, you know, consistently beat other top six teams. Now, obviously, we've, we've beaten one, that's considered top six. We put in pretty woeful performances against two, but what we weren't doing last year was we weren't beating Wolves. We weren't beating Villa. We weren't beating West Ham. We weren't even beating Burnley. Uh, so that's where you end up eight, nine, 10, 11. Uh, so, so far this season, we've seen some pretty uninspired uh, non-special performances, but with wins against Burnley and Norwich, that's what he needs to keep doing. These next three or four games that are against teams that traditionally finish below us. And and believe me, I'm not calling the Brighton game a walkover. None of them are, but just getting three points out of most of those and getting a point out of the other ones is all you have to do to get into Europe. Then you go to beating the other top teams. If you could put it a shift and beat Chelsea, beat United, as we've done so much in the last few years, then you start talking about top four. So that's, you know, we've seen this team come up for big games. We saw it in the FA cup run. We've seen it in a couple of Premier League games. One of them yesterday, put in a great performance against Leicester uh, last season when nobody thought we could win up there. We can do it. And we have, like Dan said, the the players to do it. It's those other games that we need to focus on. And honestly, the flat track games, we need to get back to being flat track bullies because you can't make the top six if you're not winning those games. No, you raise a solid point and there is no excuse for me for Arsenal to not compete for a top six place minimum, like absolute minimum. I don't go along the lines of, 
expectations and entitlement, but we should be competing for a top six place this season. We had the squad for it. We've shown that we've got the, the displays and the performances under this current coach to do that. And it is now about consistency. That is always going to be, and we will reconvene, of course, with this show every single week, but mainly we'll reconvene probably after the Aston Villa game and, and have a look at where we are after those three matches against Brighton, Palace and Villa. And if we've won those three or got at least seven from nine points, you'd say from those games, you'd look at and say, yeah, look, we're on the right path and we're showing some consistency. We're now unbeaten in what could be seven or even eight if you include the League Cup game against Leeds. So it's going to be interesting at that point where we're kind of at. Um, but it could all go Pete Tong against Brighton. You never know, as football is and as our <laughs> Spurs Tom, and Man United fans have found out. Just before Push we can, wrap up, Push can. Uh, I'd love to get your opinions on this. Would you rather be in Europe, like top six finish, or would you rather win the League Cup or the FA Cup? Because I've heard so many people say to me, oh, I just want to get back into into the, you know, fight and finish as high as we can in the league or mm. get top four. I, I, man, silverware, it should not be brushed aside. That's why we take the mick out of Tottenham every single year. We can't say start saying now that we don't want a trophy. We just want to try and finish as high as we can up in the league. I would take the FA Cup or the Carabao Cup any day of the week just because I want to win silverware. Do you know what I mean? So mm. I, I don't know what you guys think. I think that's a very interesting point. And for me, I look at it from almost two different perspectives. From a fan's perspective, I'm 100% with you. Um, I, I want to see silverware. I think that that is ultimately something you can hang over other people's heads. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care where you finish in the league if you didn't finish first when it's the next season. It, it really doesn't mean anything. However, for this project, and in, certainly for Arteta, I don't think uh, a bit of silverware is going to really cut it for him if he finishes, say, ninth this season and gets the League Cup. I think a lot of people might still be just a bit jaded and it just suggests that he hasn't had the season that we want him to have. So in terms of the project, in terms of like how I want to see us do under this manager, I actually would prioritise finishing, say, fifth um, and, and, and being in and around that top four and it looking like we can make it so we feel more positive for the next season and, and it looks like something is actually happening and changing. But in terms of from a fan's perspective, I, I fully, I probably with you to be honest. So yeah, it's a good question, Mike. Yeah, I think I, I, I think I know how Tom has answered this question in the past actually, and it is that most seasons you would always take the trophy, you'd always take the silverware, and frankly, winning silverware gets you into Europe. Um, the League Cup, I think, gets you into the Conference League, so that's yeah, not it does. that's not ideal. But you know, our FA Cup, as we know very well from 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 two F, from uh, two FA Cups ago that got us into Europe where we otherwise wouldn't have been. Um, and, you know, but again, a cup and a ninth place trophy or a ninth place trophy, a cup and a ninth place finish. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> a cup and a ninth place finish uh, does not bring a lot of interest from players who want to come on the, on the, you know, on the hop on the rising train for Arsenal. And we've been, you know, when it comes to player recruitment, I think that's where it actually matters being, you know, not just getting into Europe because you want a cup, but finishing top four, finishing top five and pressing for higher finishes. You know, we've been incredibly lucky and not, it isn't luck. We've made our own luck at bringing in players who want to fight for the badge, despite the fact that we're not in Europe this year. I mean, no one thought we could do it. And yeah, these aren't the big names. Um, you know, we didn't bring in the Lotaro Martinez or, you know, we couldn't offer them that, that play in, in, in Europe, but, I'd say we brought in people who are going to get us back there. And um, and that's, I think, if you finish ninth place and get an FA Cup, we've done it, been there. This year we do that. We're, we're still kind of not showing improvement. So I think this year 
individually and solely, I I would rather finish top four than mm. and and not win silverware than <clears throat> that. Than I would win do that. Way. And it's it, this one year only. I would say that. I I would agree with you. The last bit there, you know, I would agree with the last bit there. If you're going to give me Champions League football. Yeah, mm. then I would take that just this season over the cup just because I think that's what we need for this project process, whatever the hell you call it. We need to get back in the Champions League. We do. We just need to get back in there. Even if we get spanked by Bayern Munich again or Barcelona, let's, let's be honest, we would do if we played. So them. you're not one of those, we just need to get back why in do we want Champions League? Because we'd just be embarrassed. Like, like I hate I hate those. Uh, no, because I want, to, I want to fight at the top, Mike. I don't care right. that we get spanked. I want to fight with the best teams. I haven't played Bayern Munich or gone to Barcelona's ground for what feels like forever. I so want you to were a big there. supporter of the ESL? then <laughs> <laughs> no i was not you would have gotten that's for different reasons Bayern and Barcelona all day uh, long. that's yeah you're right but absolutely absolutely not for different reasons of course but <laughs> when you look at champions league football i of course want to be up there when it comes to do you want to be in the you know do you want to come into the win the fa cup so you played Maccabi haifa on a thursday night no i want to win the fa cup because it's so do you know what i mean what do you got against <laughs> Maccabi haifa <laughs> well, you know, that was just the one that comes to my head. Let's go for Red Star Belgrade then. I don't Have know. you Whoever. seen Spurs, Spurs are playing against Mura on Thursday in this Ooh. Conference League? A Slovenian. Be sure to tune into so. that one. So, uh, one of the goes in front of the supporters. Yeah, yeah it might be. It <laughs> might be that stadium. Love that. <laughs> it's just the case of like, I get the whole your trophy thing. I've been on that train, not the one that goes past the stadium. <laughs> um, but. I've been on the train in the sense that I love silverware. When I'm 80, uh, or for Mike next year, uh, when I look back <laughs> on my life of supporting Arsenal um, and go, am I going to remember that year we got top four? Like, no, I'm not. I'm going to remember when we won the FA Cup. I remember the year we won the League Cup or whatever. But I agree with Mike that this season is different because I really feel like for the process to work like you we need to see that achievement of a of a champions league qualification uh, and we can't get right the end. we we can't get it without either winning a europa league which we're not in or getting top four um and the last under both unai emery and arteta there have been two three arguably with the europa league final and the top four finish we could have had under emery two real three real sorry opportunities to get it and we've missed it despite us being what you would argue so far off the pace of champions league like qualification but we've had the chances they've been there we've just not taken them and that's the difference with this year being out of european football is we've got the chance to recover every week to play at our own pace to stabilize a first 11 and find out what our strongest 11 is too and and hopefully we can do that this season um we're going to wrap things up there uh thank you all so much guys for tuning in it's been an absolute pleasure to entertain you as we all always do every single week after the Premier League games. Uh, I'd like to take a moment to thank my panel chat box if you could show them some love. First of all, French, really appreciate your time, mate. As always, I'll let you go off and enjoy your evening as long as you don't tell me what you're doing. It's all good. <laughs> Not on air anyway. You can say it for off air, man. <laughs> you no, know, you're not muted. What are you doing? We can hear you. You're all good. Oh, yeah, 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 no, I said thanks for having me. <laughs> Like I said to Mike, I'm gonna I'm gonna have my own pod soon when I talk about all the sordid shit that is that I with Raf? You gonna do that with Raf? Um, um, you know, no, 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 but you might he might want to oh, come on as a Raf still crying in the corner. Yeah, somewhere. <laughs> no, this this pod sounds awfully interesting though. I can't yeah, yeah, wait to watch it. It's, it's, kind of, 
it's gonna be brilliant horrible but brilliant yeah yeah when i'm all alone in my uh, in my flat in highbury i'm gonna be watching that podcast over and over again that sounds so weird (laughs) (laughs) oh dearie dearie me that's what you watch at night whether it's french or anything else it won't be french French that i'm watching that (laughs) i'm very intrigued (laughs) Uh, i'm very very intrigued mike always always a pleasure thanks for coming on mate I look forward to seeing you soon at the Aspen Two more Gaga. weeks. Two more weeks and I'm in town. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have a, a, a wonderful Oh yeah, time. I forget I'm seeing you at the awards thing as well. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Oh man. I'll be going yeah. to the England Hungary game. I'll be watching Soboschlei without you, which you, oh, sorry, you know, who? You turned down my offer to see Soboschlei. Soboschlei. <laughs> and uh man, I can't wait for this trip. I've been looking forward to it ever since I left a year and a half ago under cover of of COVID and um and and so yeah i'm looking forward to getting back into the old neighborhood uh thanks for having us on i I just use the royal we again that is so obnoxious uh thanks for having us well i'm as large as two people so i guess that makes sense but um, i do it all the time oh no i know you do that's why i don't want to have to be doing that because i want to look like you do but uh but gooners versus cancer goonersvcancer.com we've got about three weeks left in the raffle we're getting closer and closer to our twenty five thousand dollar uh goal which would just be amazing if we can smash that this year so uh win some great stuff go to goonersvcancer.com and uh and at 10 o'clock tonight come watch us on the gooners podcast mm. have you gone huh oh um, have you gone <laughs> I, th- I thought you said are you done <laughs> uh, andy will be there and some guy oh, named wow. Andy who used to be on our podcast will be on no, um, of this parish <laughs> ian and owen will both be on um, and I will be on, and James Johnston from Purely uh, Purely Arsenal, J- um, D- LL Cool James will be on with us. Always a funny uh, and enjoyable guest who the who the chat room loves. So, uh, Gooner, yeah, the Gooner. Uh, what, what are we called? The Gooners podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Do go and check it out. Uh, Dan, a plug that Dan can mention. I'll let yeah, Dan plug it. Dan, you also have a show this evening, uh, and uh, thanks for your time, of course, as well as always, mate. Ah, you're welcome, man. Always a pleasure coming on here and chatting to you guys, man. So, uh, yeah, we're on at eight on the Chronicles of Aguna. Me, Lee Judges, Harry Simu and Mark will be on Chronicles of Aguna with Harry to talk about North London Derby. And then tomorrow on Lee Judges TV, Magic Mike's there, Tanner's there, I'll be there, Lee Judges will be there. So uh, make sure you head over to both the Chronicles and Lee Judges TV and smash a like and a sub on it. Be much appreciated. Is this the soup show? Arsenal soup. <laughs> the debut of Arsenal soup. You, and we're not going to say anything more than that. you got to tune in to find out what it's all about. Does it involve soup? That's, that's all I want to know. It may or may not. Oh, okay. Uh, if you if you boil a kettle to make soup, there's something wrong. <laughs> something so so. You think wrong Dan would allow that kind of uh, television, that that kind of content, to be on his channel? I do make oh, listen, my own soup. Listen, to be fair. I've left I it off. It's up to you, Mike. You know, it's all in your hands, man. I've been very brave, haven't I, Tom? Letting this. Yeah, guy, I don't know that that. You know, honestly, I don't know why on earth. I've had I had a few people message me uh, <laughs> saying like that, like TGTs of a level where you should have other people doing shows on the channel. One, I'm way too much of a control freak to ever allow that to happen. And two, one of the suggestions was Mike, and I was like. <laughs> Oh you conveniently forgot to mention that to me. Yo, I'll I'll, uh, I'll record I'll record a, a pilot episode of my Tom Canton show, which is just me showing Tom in various levels of undress. And I'm sorry oh, that God. French, I've just stolen your thunder with your show now. But 
But yeah, it'll be great. And it's uh, oh, it's debuting man. on Wednesday at nine o'clock on the Gunner on the Gunner Talk TV. There you go, French. I'm so intrigued for this show. I can't wait. I'm <laughs> looking forward to this. Yeah. You better throw it on WhatsApp. It's gonna be brilliant. Yeah. Oh man. Dear yeah, don't me. worry. Anyway. It'll be visual. It's, it's not just audio. It's video too. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> we will see you tomorrow morning. Of course, as always, with the 8am show. You can find me. Uh, you can either choose to tune in, as I say, to the Conquest of Aguna with Harry, or you can catch up on that later and watch the Arsenal Lounge with myself, Shaheen, Mo, and Lev, or you can tune into the Conquest of Aguna live and catch up on us. Just make sure you watch both shows. That's all I would say. Um, have a fantastic evening. As I say, we'll see you tomorrow morning. It's an absolute pleasure, as always. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates are around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.